and all of these experiences have kind of compounded on each other to lead to the next opportunity and the next opportunities. Hey friend, it's David Nabinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. I don't know about you, but I've been on a lot of meetings, a lot of Zoom meetings on video. And honestly, it's a skill that I'd like to improve. It's a skill that uh, I've not focused that much time on in the past. And today's conversation is with Lorraine Lee, who is a video expert. Um, She worked at LinkedIn on LinkedIn's video product in the beginning. She has a course on LinkedIn Learning. She works at a company called Prezi, which helps people uh, improve their virtual environments and through presentations and through visual offerings. And she is running a brand new cohort-based course as well um, through Maven called Engage Your Virtual Workforce that starts in February 2022 and talk about uh, the benefits of video, how to use video, how video can use to stand out um, and to engage people, and also um, the benefits and ways to use LinkedIn. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights in the podcast and friend-sourced job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Lorraine. All right, Lorraine, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Um, So we're recording here on video. Rumor has it that video, that you like video. Um, (laughs) I know that this is a podcast, this is not a YouTube show, but we're recording over video. Yeah. yeah, talk to us a little bit about what you think about video and uh, the potential power or benefit of video, just to kind of kick things off. Sure. Um, well, yes, you're you're correct. I I love video. I talk about video all the time in my virtual keynotes, and I really think video is the future, especially when it comes to our now virtual workplaces and hybrid workplaces. I think video is going to be one of those key skills that you need to learn and master in order to succeed in this in these new work environments. Um, You know, I see a lot of people still who are struggling with it and find it overwhelming. And so, um, yeah, it's it's a skill that needs to be worked on. But once you can, uh, you know, keep practicing and and, um, improve your skills there, it's going to be so worth it in the long run. I love it. And we'll dive into some details. But um, one thing that I that I learned when I was um, kind of looking through some of your work was like the importance of hand gestures during video. Uh, Like that was I I forget the stat that you once shared about Vanessa Van Edwards, but of like how how often she uses her hands. And it was like, you know, 400 or 500 uh, gestures or something like that in a 30 minute video. Like, but um, I've noticed that in most of my videos or whenever I'm on video that I'm not using my hands, but it, it seems it, it it's crazy. Like how, at least I think high level that how much of an impact it can have. Can you talk to us about hand gestures and video, even if it's just a zoom, I know sometimes people think it's like just a zoom, like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm just hopping on zoom. But like each yeah. time you're on zoom or a meeting is an opportunity. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think the stat was, they did a survey of a, of TED Talks, and they found that um, 400 
or, or the, the most popular TED Talks by views had um, speakers who used 492, something like that, hand gestures, and then the least popular used nearly 50% fewer hand gestures. So there is an impact. And you're right, on video, a lot of people don't use hand gestures, but on video, we only have this really small space that we're working with. So we really need to use what we can to get that advantage and to connect with people. Uh, when we're in person, we can see each other's hands and, and you can see the full body and you can see more easily the, the micro expressions and things like that. So you can observe and connect with each other that way, um, but it's not as easy on video. And so um, to your point, hand gestures are a way to emphasize a point that you're making. Um, they're there to show that you're friendly, you know, like when you wave to people or you're showing your palm, um, you know, typically in person when you would shake hands, it indicates trust, like you're not holding um, any weapons or anything like that. You're a trustworthy person. Um, obviously on video, that, that's not quite the same, but, um, you know, it's still the same uh, same benefits behind it in terms of like why you should be using your hands, why you should get them moving on camera and and show a little bit more of your body. Yeah, I've tried to make sure I've got my, my, my kind of configuration. I learned a little bit from some of your videos and if people have yeah. not checked out uh, your videos on, on LinkedIn or YouTube, they should definitely check that out. Um, and for those that are probably wondering, no, I'm not just waving my hands right now during the conversation <laughs> with Lorraine, waving, I, yeah. <laughs> but there is also this, like, you know, I do think there was a little bit of like a meme going around of like, oh, I wave to people at the end of, of Zooms. And as if like, that's a bad thing. Like who waves yeah, on Zooms, but it actually like it does kind of add an element of trust and it does add an element of like kind of closure. Um, so yeah. if like, if nothing else, I, I think, or it seems like waving in the beginning and, 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 and at the end of Zoom meetings is like, that's a good place to start. If you're like, how, how do I start, you know, using my hand gestures during meetings? It's like, we'll start and end. Yes, 100%. I mean, I think we're all, we all know how to wave. It's a natural uh, motion and, and hand gesture. So yeah, 100%. That's exactly what I say in my keynotes. Just start waving. I don't think it's weird. I don't know why people say that, but um, I, I think it's great. <laughs> now I'm just waving the whole entire yeah. time. Um, <laughs> uh, and so you've been producing a lot of videos and, and obviously LinkedIn has been an incredible platform for you. you used to work there. Uh, we're very active in uh, LinkedIn's initial video, you know, offerings, so to speak. Um, but also I think video and publishing videos on LinkedIn, um, led to professional opportunities for you. Uh, can you maybe talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. So I, when I was at LinkedIn, I started a video series and it was called female founders. And I was interviewing female founders and, and talking about the work that they did. And I mean, for me personally, it was a really great opportunity to learn more about video since I was on camera and doing those interviews. Um, but it was also a really great way to get um, my face out there and for people to know that I was an editor at LinkedIn doing these interviews. Um, so it was a really wonderful experience. And I've been able to take that experience and transfer it to Prezi now in a virtual environment. So I'm not necessarily doing those same interviews, but I am talking a lot on video, um, You know, meeting interesting people like you, David, and, and learning about what they do and seeing if there are ways that we can collaborate uh, at Prezi. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, since you're listening, it's hard for people to, to notice, but um, Lorraine's um, kind of video presentation here is beautifully um, done. She's got her own personal brand colors. I, I don't even want to try to to guess the hue or the shade. Um, we're just yeah. going to call it Lorraine Blue. Um, yeah, but 
um, all right. So then it, it led to some opportunities. I think you did some some type of on on site um, kind of hosting um, at LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. So guests would come to the LinkedIn campus, or I guess if I was in San Francisco, sometimes they were in San Francisco, sometimes they were in South Bay. And then sometimes actually the, the really great ones I got to do at the Empire State Building, which is where LinkedIn's New York headquarters is. Yeah. And and then you got hired to interview or MC a tennis tournament, right? Or a tennis event. Yes. Yes. So an organizer there saw my videos on LinkedIn and he reached out with this opportunity and he said, do you want to uh, MC or be the, the host of this professional men's tennis tournament? And I was really nervous because I didn't remember anything um, from the tennis lessons I took, but he said, you know, I think you're going to be great. You have amazing, you know, video presence. And it was a really fun opportunity. And I got to kind of get a refresher about tennis. And then also um, that was just a, a really great uh, way to see that my video was impacting other parts of my career. So then you never know. Uh, yeah. You never know when one video will take you. I, I kind of uh, think that people are kind of like one email away from, you know, new job, et cetera. Maybe in your case, it's one video away. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Um, what do you think holds people, um, like I've posted some videos on LinkedIn sometimes and how, how do you think, like, sometimes it seems like maybe like the algorithm doesn't really boost it or right. what, what do you say to those people that are like, oh, I don't get that many views with my videos, like text is better. Or what, how do you kind of think about that, Lorraine? I would say to mix it up and to experiment. Yes, sometimes your content is just going to fall flat for whatever reason. It, it might not be you're doing. It might be the algorithm, to your point, David. Um, but I would say try experimenting with different video lengths. I think polling is a really great LinkedIn feature. Ask your audience what length videos do they want to see. And for the non-video posts that you're making, you know, I, I always call this out. There are so many silent lurkers on LinkedIn and people who are benefiting from your content, but they just don't say anything because people do still get nervous sometimes on LinkedIn. And so I like to say just, you know, you are helping people. I've had people message me or I see them like my comments or like my post and I'll reach out and say thank you for, for liking and engaging. And they will say, oh, I've been following your work. I really love it. And I had no idea because maybe that's the first post they've engaged with. So uh, don't get discouraged. It's really about consistency and experimenting. Mm. What would you say is a recent experiment that you've utilized or, or tested on the platform? Yeah, great question. So I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, David. I started a tip of the day video series and I am experimenting with short form content. I try to keep the videos two minutes or less and people seem to like it so far. And I, I started experimenting with it because I myself want to consume shorter pieces of content. And I figured, you know, the videos I was posting in the past were maybe averaging around five minutes each and taking a lot more work to build since I was trying to create fancier presentations for those. But I decided to do this, make it uh, much quicker and I can produce them um, a lot more often. So you mentioned now you're working at Prezi, um, been doing keynote speaking, talking about this virtual award that we're in. And you've recently also published your own course. Uh, you know, so LinkedIn has had a bunch of course creators and seemed like maybe you witnessed them and said, wow, like this is really cool what they've been doing. They've been impacting and helping people. Maybe I should do something like that. Is that how you, how you were thinking about kind of course creation on there? And, and what, what do you think was the main kind of catalyst there 
considering I already got a busy job and doing us all this other stuff. What was, what were you thinking about there, Lorraine? So I love LinkedIn learning. I love continuous learning and always trying to improve my my skill set, my knowledge around certain key areas. And at Prezi, we are very focused on improving the virtual meeting experience. And through my work there, and I think just generally in my career, I am always trying to find ways to optimize and to make sure that teams are productive while also being happy at the same time. And so I was gaining all this knowledge about meetings and also just putting things, experimenting with things myself and figuring out what were best practices. And so I knew someone, a product manager on the LinkedIn learning team. I reached out and I said, what, 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 what do you think of these ideas? I mentioned video, I mentioned meetings, a few other things. And she put me in touch with the, um, I think you call it a, a content manager. And she mentioned that hybrid is such an important topic and everyone is asking about it. All the enterprise uh, LinkedIn customers are asking about it. And so we just got started from there and, and we named it virtual and hybrid meeting essentials. And I love seeing how many people have, have been taking it so far and, and finding it useful. And I hope to keep expanding on those ideas and, and keep learning. Yeah. And and then clearly you're, you're building upon that to cohort-based courses, which I'm a huge fan of, and I was telling you before we got started, you know, how I kind of started the podcast through a cohort-based course and, um, you know, have been a coach and a little bit involved in them. So it's awesome to see how, you know, this idea of like, we're doing, you're, we're doing things, then we created like one thing and then we can build upon it themselves. So, uh, I think it's a great reminder that, you know, consistency and momentum is really a powerful thing. And, like you can, it's easy to get kind of like, Oh, I don't know how, like, I, I don't have a cohort based course inside of me. I don't, I, don't, I can't, I can't like, they're cool. They're amazing. But like, I, I can never do that, but yeah. you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm, I'm, I doubt that maybe two years ago you were thinking, Oh, I want to create a cohort based course. That's exactly it. I had never thought that creating a course being an instructor, whatever be being a virtual keynote speaker, which I also am now would be anything that I would be doing. And all of these experiences have kind of compounded on each other to lead to the next opportunity and the next opportunity. So I'm so excited that I am able to build a course now and, and try something new um, and also find a way to distill my knowledge and also be able to interact with the students because mentoring is something that I'm super passionate about. So it just made total sense once the opportunity came my way. Yeah. What would you say are um, kind of like a spiky point of view that you may have related to, um, they may have related to video, virtual meetings, hybrid meetings? What, what would you say are something like your spiky points of view there? So I would say that video meetings and LinkedIn are three key skills that you need in order to accelerate your career and succeed in 2022. And that is the premise of my course. <laughs> and who who do you think do you think that people most or are likely to disagree with, or what aspects of that do you think people are going to disagree with? Because I think the 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 part of a spiky point of view is that it's not going to be for everyone, um, sure. and that people may disagree with. How do you think people may take the other side of that? I can imagine a lot of people, and I think a lot of people are doing this, is that you don't need to do anything fancy or think beyond what's currently being done. Video is a necessary evil and meetings are a necessary evil. And LinkedIn is um, you know, best used for jobs. 
And all of these things I don't think are accurate. I think you need to you need to work at it. And it is something different. I mean, you can stick with the status quo and how things are being done, but you're not going to be recognized. You're not going to stand out and, you know, meetings and, and your presence, you're just not going to impress as much as the next person who's putting in that additional effort to learn and to really um, to grow their career in a virtual space. So I, I would say that that's, that's kind of the, uh, the other side that I imagine many people are taking. And that's why a lot of workplaces are disengaged and people are leaving and finding new opportunities. Hmm. All right. Well, it's been a little while. I got to start waving my hands a little bit. I've, you know, I got to get the stats like up. Mask. I got to, <laughs> I got to get the stats up. Uh, <laughs> I swear, I'm going to be in meetings now and I'm going to be like, you know, there's this TED talk and, and, you know, the, the study and people are going to be like, David focus. And I'm going to be like, no, 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 no. Like hand waving, hand waving. Um, and so I think there's, there's three components that I think you talk about of a good meeting um, or how to best utilize. Um, I think there's, it's tech, there's energy and aesthetics. The aesthetic side of things I've been kind of struggling, as you can see here, I just got a clean white background. Yeah. Um, what do you think aesthetics, like what, how could someone improve their aesthetics of their, you know, their zoom screen and what are maybe some easy low hanging fruit ways there? Sure. So what you are referencing is a T method. You've clearly done your research. Um, and the T method is, is what you need to, the basics of what you need to succeed on a video call. And I would say first to think about what kind of energy or what kind of vibe you want to give off. Um, you can see right now, I have, you can't, some, whoever's listening will not be able to see, but I have some photos behind me. Um, I have a plant. It's quite simple. You can see a little bit of my couch. And so I want to appear professional, but also personable and like someone you can talk to. I would actually say, you know, having a clean background is probably favorable to, you know, a messy one, of course. So if you're, if you have a simple background, I mean, that's, that's great. But I think adding photos, adding personal touches, things that people can latch onto on a call. And instead of jumping on calls with, how are you? And, you know, that can get kind of stale, um, but to say, oh, I love that poster behind you, or, oh, look at that beautiful plants. Like, what is that? Or are you, you know, do you love plants? Are you, do you have more in your apartment? So just those um, items that can allow you to connect with each other, I think is important. And of course, if you want to be more creative, you're probably gonna have more posters and pictures behind you you know, people who are more artsy might have, you know, something they've made perhaps, or like an instrument, for example, I've seen. So um, those are some initial tips for what I would say in terms of aesthetics. And actually in my recent keynote, um, I used to say curate your background, which I think is still accurate, but I actually updated it to say curate your environment because in this virtual setting that we have now, you can see, you mentioned before, David, my name tag here, the colors, it's really about creating the whole entire experience. You're in a virtual setup now. It's not just about your physical space, but also your virtual space as well. So it's all these components put together. Hmm, I love that. Some, you know, gave me some homework. This is great. And <laughs> I, I was actually talking to somebody. It's funny. It's, he was talking about how somebody, their virtual background, they change it every single time and they use a photo and it's like a personal, so this, this guy, I think is a, is a father. And yeah. I think like shows his, his virtual background is a photo of his kids every Aww. single time. And it's a different one. So like he basically, I think like takes like his camera reel or photo reel and like changes that every single day. Uh-huh. And that's, yeah, I know, I know. It's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but to your point though, it, 
it sparks conversation. Yeah. And I love that. I think that it is a little bit of work, but I, I would have started talking about it. I, I don't know about I don't know about you, but I, oh, think... I definitely would have. I love kids and I love seeing people's kids run into the the frame. I would have <laughs> definitely said something. Yeah, that's a great idea. Every single day. So I, I think you know, sm- small small touches like that. It seems like they can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talked about Presley. We talked about your courses. What has been? Um, what do you think has been the biggest surprise creating a cohort based course? And I know you know you're kind of still in those final touches, um, moments or phases, or, um, what do you think has been kind of a a surprise to you, um, kind of going through that process of, you know, kind of putting it all together? I think I've been surprised at how much work is involved. If you want it to be a long-term sustainable thing, I thought coming into it, I have this virtual keynote. That's really popular. I have some content already. This is going to be really simple to kind of just move it over into a cohort model and I can just use what I have. And I was realizing there, if you want to do it well, it takes a lot more thought um, and consideration and um, probably building out new content just and just new ways of thinking. But I will say with that additional thought and work that has gone into it, it's also pushed me in really, really exciting, interesting ways. I've had to think through the content that I've been sharing and think about how to create frameworks and make things more digestible. David, you asked about the T method earlier, for example, I didn't didn't come up with that. I mean, I had all the knowledge and I was talking about those concepts, but I didn't make it into something that is easily um, digestible in in that way that you have to do for a cohort-based course to get people interested. Um, And also just remembering the content. Yeah. Frameworks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was, I forget, they are really powerful and especially for keynotes too. I I was giving a talk a couple, uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month or so ago. And they were, I know it's a big surprise. I know Lorraine's like, what? No way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But they were like, in the beginning, we were kind of prepping and they're like, do you have any, do you have any frameworks? Do you have any? Uh And I was like, you know, no, but maybe I should. And it's, it's this, like going back to this, like aesthetics thing. It's like the small little, although it can take a lot, it's like the last 5% is the hardest, you know, may take the last 5% may take like 30% of the time or, Um, but it's just those small little things that, um, you know, kind of seem minor, but they're the hooks for people to like latch onto. Exactly. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. So stay tuned for some frameworks, um, 2022. <laughs> Multiple. Uh, yes. <laughs> and so, so we, we talked about how kind of, it could be one video away. Um, has there been any other examples of like how, uh, either one email or, you know, kind of some serendipitous or unexpected moments has kind of changed some of some of your trajectory in your career so far, Lorraine? Nothing particularly serendipitous as far as I can recall, but I will say my virtual keynote speaking career, it started off as just a personal and kind of professional goal just to get better at public speaking. And Public speaking is something that's scary to a lot of people. So not a lot of people want to take the time to learn how to improve that skill. But I've just been really surprised in in the best way possible seeing all the new opportunities that have come my way from that. So for anyone who's listening, who is thinking about getting better at public speaking, I would highly recommend it. It really just flows through all aspects of, of your career and can lead to some really new and exciting opportunities how do you practice or how do you get better at it? Is, is there, yeah. 
Great question. I luckily had someone at Prezi who has been speaking for 12 plus years, both on big stages and virtually. So he agreed to give me feedback on the speaking opportunities that I was doing. Um, but really, it was about practice. And, you know, he helped me craft my story a little bit at the beginning. I learned some tips from him that I, you know, have been sharing out with my audience and shared some of my own as well. But it was really being very proactive, finding those opportunities where I could speak um, and just it constantly iterating. And you'll find that once you've presented a few times, you find new ways to present the information, new ideas. And that's that was so exciting for me when I realized, oh, let me actually I was starting having to have dreams about how to restructure my keynote, um, which was very surprising to me, but you you start getting more into it and just really polishing your craft just based on, you know, the more practice you end up doing. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that's, um, I've seen that a little bit with, uh, you know, as we were talking about how I edit the show and I, you know, kind of go back and I can see, yeah. you know, oh, that was a bad question or, <laughs> or, or I could have said it a little bit differently. Uh, sure. But um, yeah, I think that it's so it's rare, but it's also so important. Like there's, there is ways to better understand the work that you're doing, however that may be. Like it could be in the context of public speaking. It could be in the context of asking, hopefully not terrible questions like me, but um, there is all these different ways that, you know, just even if it's your Zoom calls, like often you're recording them. So may, you may want to go back and just check them out. Be like, yeah, that's a what, idea. what was energy like for the people that were there, um, et cetera. So Love that. It's a really great reminder just to, to notice the things that you're doing and see how you can improve them. I know we covered a lot here, so uh, would love to hear uh, how people can stay in touch, how people can learn more about your new cohort-based course that's starting in February. Yes. And um, yeah, how they can connect on LinkedIn. Yeah. Definitely. So would love anyone to, to connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me at linkedin.com slash in slash Lorraine K. Lee. And you can learn more about my course at lorrainekaylee.com slash join. And I actually started a newsletter recently as well, um, sharing a lot of tips around these topics, video meetings and LinkedIn, which you can subscribe to at lorrainekaylee.com slash learn. Wow, you got all those beautiful hyperlinks. That's what I got. I got. I got to work on that. So I got. I got a lot of homework from this. That's a new thing, uh, yeah. But it <laughs> makes things easier when I have to recite it like this. Yeah. Awesome, Lorraine. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna wave goodbye. Um, <laughs> we we learned about the importance of that, but thank you so much, Lorraine. I really appreciate it. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.